0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Trail Life Podcast. I'm your host Jeff Stoner. Thank you for listening in once again to another journey across the podcast airwaves. Uh, you know, I've got a special one today. I brought in the man, the myth, the San Diego trail running legend, George Greco, to the uh, studio today. And I tell you what, uh, if if you're a runner here in San Diego, you know how outgoing and extroverted George is and how he's just willing to talk to anybody and everybody about everything. And he does not disappoint in this conversation. We talk about what got him into trail running, what keeps him going in the sport community here in San Diego. Uh, It was just a blast. Like I had so much fun talking to George and and I I appreciate him coming in and and sitting down with me. So I hope you guys uh, enjoy the episode. Thank you for listening. in once again, welcome to the trail life, George Greco. The Trail Life Podcast is presented by Salomon. For 75 years, their passion for outdoor sports, new technologies, and craftsmanship have driven them and still do to create progressive gear to enable you to freely enjoy and challenge yourself in the great outdoors. Today, Salomon has an incredible lineup of road and trail running footwear and hydration gear, perfect for any runner on any train, no matter the challenge. Check them out today at your local running store like Runner's Roost or on Salomon.com. This episode of the Trail Life Podcast is brought to you by Imrock Training Facility, Rock Training is an obstacle course gym for active adults who want to stay fit, crush goals, and have fun. Unlike crowded boot camps and franchise clubs, their small group classes provide great accountability and are run by experienced coaches who will motivate you through your workout from start to finish. And because nothing is more discouraging than getting hurt, they always ensure you're using the best equipment, obstacles, and techniques to help you reach your specific goals. If you're in the San Diego area and want to check out a class or find out more information, please go to mrocktraining.com. Well, help me turn the get
1: don't hurt nobody
0: I was talking to uh, Isabella actually the other day and I was like yeah I gotta I gotta find a you know somebody really good to talk to locally and, and she was like Well, you got to talk to George. Cool. Well,
1: (laughs) yes, Izzy's my main squeeze. (laughs) Don't tell Kyle.
0: (laughs) So it it kind of just worked out. I was like, you know what? That's that's a great. I know. I mean, it's I see you everywhere in the trail running community. So it's if anybody I'm going to talk to you at this point in time, it's going to be you because you're going to have so much knowledge with what goes on in the San Diego community as far as running you work at the running center and so it's you kind of got your finger in the heartbeat so to, so to speak so mm-hmm. um, in all the conversations that you and I have had I haven't really had a chance to sit down and really get a backstory from you and where you're from and how you got into it so that's again I'm glad you're here to share some of that but looking at some of your stuff on Facebook and everything else and I, I've seen you've gone to college in schools all over the country yes so where are you from originally I was born in Coronado Oh, so you're local, okay. Yeah. And my dad
1: was in the military, and so I had the privilege of living in the Philippines for four years, from eight to 12, Hawaii from two to three, and all over California. And then, uh, you know, I've lived both in the Midwest, which is where I started running, and I get into running as a result of my beautiful daughter, Ashley, sitting in my lap when she was... Six and I was 44. I was a cigarette smoker, not in very good health at that point in time. And like little kids do, she takes my face in her hands and looks at me with these deep blue eyes all the way to my soul and goes, Daddy, would you quit smoking for my birthday? Oh. My birthday was, for her birthday, excuse me. Her birthday was 10 months out in the future. So I was hit with a blinding flash of the obvious and went, oh my God. I gotta get my life together. And I knew I had to do something to replace the ritual of smoking. You know, you get nervous, you smoke a cigarette, wake up in the morning, coffee, cigarette, all those kinds of things. And so some guys at work, actually some English consultants that were working at Tyson Foods back in Arkansas, where I was working in IT at the time, go, dude, you look like a runner. You know, as I'm freaking <laughs> smoking. away. Popping <laughs> away. <laughs> you know, smokestack. Yeah. Why'd you come and run with us? And I go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my daughter intervened. That kickstarted my motivation. So what I did is I worked out in a Nordic track for three months. While I was trying to taper down my cigarette smoking with a goal of, on my birthday, stopping, and so fortunately I did. I had a little tape recorder that had binaural uh, affirmations. So every time I get the urge to smoke, I'd plug that in, oh, and they okay. send they send little positive affirmations past your conscious brain down to the place where you get the most benefit. Yeah. And so I was able to quit smoking, started running, and in my first race, I think I was 45. So that was in January, I started running 2.7 Two point seven miles with these guys a couple times a week, and uh, then they go, "Hey, you know, let's let's do a race." I'm like, "Well, a, a race, well, you know, what do you do?" Don't tell me more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's that about? <laughs> so I went to a race with these guys, and uh, I remember running along, and as I was passing people, people are going, "Hey, way to go!" nice i go damn this is my kind of sport everybody's on the same team yeah and so i my very first race when i was 46 or 45 excuse me about eight months into after i quit smoking i had a 21 25 5k and i came in third place and got this little copper medal. yeah that was it i was like (laughs) totally stoked (laughs) fun positive supported, supportive people and so that was my first race and the 28 and a half milers i did out at the kahila indian reservation was my 628th race holy cow and i knew
0: that you had done a lot but i, I didn't know you did <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: yeah i was an addict the most races i had done in one year when i was 59 i had the goal i was living in colorado springs at the time at elevation about 7,000 feet and i went wow i wonder if i can do 52 races in a year you know one a week sometimes i did two and sometimes sometimes i'd miss so i knocked off 52 races in a week uh when i was 59
0: wait back it back for a second 52 races
1: in a week No, no. 52 raises in a year. Oh, my God. You said a week, and I was like, oh, my God.
0: Now this conversation has gone to a new level. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Got a little excited (laughs)
0: here.
1: Fast forward to when I was about 68, my goal was I went, you know, I'm tooting my horn a little bit, but I've had 390 H firsts, about 144 seconds and uh, you a know, bunch of thirds, and I've actually won two races outright in my 50s and four in my 60s. They were small, yeah. you know, mom and pop races up in Colorado. And Well, one was up a volcano, the Capulin Volcano in uh, northern New Mexico. Started wow. at 7,000 feet, wound up a volcano that was about 8,300 feet, then came back down and lost 300 feet going into a little town called Des Moines, and I had 151. When I was 60, so I was pretty happy with that because that was not, you know, an easy race. When I and living in Colorado, I did a lot of trail races, Mm -hmm. but shorter because when I was 50, there is an ultra marathon lady. I was consulting, IT consulting uh, out in Folsom, California, which is a little suburb of Sacramento. And she would do all these outrageous miles and stuff. And that was incomprehensible to me because even last year when I did 13 ultra marathon distances, uh, I did that on a 20 mile a week base, 20 miles of running and 20 miles of biking. And I had 591 miles, 581 miles of races Mm -hmm. and only 490 miles of training. And so something I'd like to add to that is when I was telling you about 68, my goal is overall health and fitness. And then let's see what I can do. And if this is if my protocols are working and so when i was 68 a friend of mine philip espinoza i don't know if you know him he's a local ultra runner mm-hmm. his partner came to the running store and was telling me about this cool 50k that she was going to be doing up in the redwoods south of san francisco and i went wow that that sounds really cool yeah you know I've, Everybody can do it, why can't I? And so a group called the Trail C- Crashers, headed up by Ricky Rowan and Becca Rowan, uh, took me under their wing and a lady, Michaela Burgess, who had done Western States, moved into the hood and took me under her wing and started showing me you know what you need to do oh i need a hydration vest yeah why is this tube beating the shit out of me oh <laughs> you thread it through here oh damn i thought this was big enough oh you undo these straps <laughs> you know it's, it's like, small things you know yeah
0: <laughs> so i was
1: like a total rookie but completely motivated to learn and so my goal at that time was okay i've age grouped everything from a mile to a marathon let's see if i can take it all the way up to 100K was mm-hmm. my original sights because I am a lowish, a really lowish mile runner for doing ultra marathons, mm-hmm. And uh, so that was my goal. And my very first race was a Bryce Canyon 50K. And it started at 7,700 and topped out at about 9,500. And it was a freaking 100 degrees oh. down in the canyons luckily they had schooled me about an ice bandana yeah which saved my bacon (laughs) because out of 300 plus people only 200 finished and i was one of those i was 106 out of 200 people so i felt pretty good about that my first yeah race at the tender age of let me see i was 69 this and one that's that's I did amazing and
0: I'm, I'm just gonna add in anybody sure. who's because I've, ta- I've had a lot of conversations with people who have got have started late and mm-hmm. when i say late um in trail mm-hmm. running they've started in their 30s and 40s mm-hmm. and it's that's that's where we you know the trail running community sees a lot of their demographics right and it's mm-hmm. so you get those people that are like oh that's, i'm too old to start to start running well I mean, only if they think they exactly, are exactly right age is just not just another number but you know it it just goes to show you, like, you don't have to be a 20-something-year-old to go out and do the 100-milers, 100Ks. so
1: much fun. Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. Going from your shorter races, you're doing mm-hmm. 5Ks and 1-miles and, mm-hmm. and all the shorter stuff. Mm-hmm. What was your mentality? Like you said, you're a newbie to the, to the ultra world. Uh-huh. So talk to me about, like, how you trained differently maybe for that stuff and and the other things you learned along the way because it's it's not so much just the equipment but it's also about how to run uphill how to <laughs> how to you know, power hiking is a big big portion of ultra running too Absolutely. so so you don't really want to overdo yourself in those circumstances so how did how was your training moving into that aspect uh, of it? you know i was training with some
1: people who had experience at that and uh, like michaela for instance i'll pick on her at first, we'd get to maybe the way up trail out at the Elevenheim Reservoir. Reservoir. Okay. And I would run up, she'd go, no, you gotta manage your energy, you know, pick your places to run. And downhill running is my superpower. Mm-hmm. And so what I've done on this low mileage, I'm not gonna kill the heels, the hills, but with my giraffe legs, I can go power hiking as quickly as some people can running. And one of the things I did right off the top is I really fell in love with poles. Mm -hmm. And for a couple of reasons. One is I want a full body workout. So often runners think that they're just legs. And so I work on the mobility of every joint in my body daily i work with weights twice a day you know my hands need to be strong because i'm carrying those poles Mm -hmm. for 20 hours like at zion the zion 100k or something like that and uh, either like this or in my hands then additionally there's stream crossings on mossy rocks they're invaluable flipping snakes off the trail running like this to move the Bushes back so you can keep on trucking and balance because I don't pick races because they're easy, because I think that, you know, I can kill them. I pick them because they're beautiful and I wonder if I can do this. So my first race was the Bryce Canyon 50K. My second one was the Tusher. Marathon.
0: Tusher. I'm not really familiar with that one.
1: It starts at the Eagle Point ski area, okay. which is at 10,500 feet, goes up from there to Mount Delano. Which is twelve thousand one hundred and sixty
0: seven feet. And let me show you something real quick. And some of the train you're on. Oh yeah. So for the for the listeners, we're looking at just straight rock. There is really no trail. It's it's, <laughs> it's pretty much just big rock after big rock is what we're looking at here. <laughs> uh, and the Tusher is considered one of
1: the and there's a mountain I was telling you about. Oh, and you yeah. can see how the winds just whipping Oh yeah, definitely our shorts and stuff. So that was my Second go. <laughs> and uh, and when you're doing ultras, there's so many moving pieces mm-hmm. to be aware of that you don't learn unless you're just thrown out in the middle of it.
0: I agree with that. I think it's... Uh... It's definitely some training for sure, but it's just like everything else, it's hands-on experience is really what's gonna teach you. Absolutely. The best, the best form of your type of running for those races, right? And that's- yep. um, Out of the 628 28. runs, does that include your road races and your trail oh, races yes. all together? Oh, yes. Oh, wow. What's some of your, what's one of your most memorable races you've done as far and, and it could be anything from, uh, something that you failed at that taught you a lot or one of your best oh, outcomes one got, of your best outcomes or what, what yeah what's I, one of the
1: best experiences you to me a dnf is did not feel to learn because i consciously choose challenges not you know yeah i've got this in the bag i got some of those but i always like to challenge myself so one of the Best learning experiences was, I came back to do the Tushar 70K, and the Tushar races are considered some of the hardest races in the U.S. And where's,
0: where's Tush at again?
1: It is the Eagle. Are you familiar with Highway 15 that goes from Saint George? To cedar city yeah so we're talking, talking about. about utah we're talking about utah okay hit st george about an hour past that on highway 15 to cedar city you've got the brian's head ski yep. area up i know the where that's from there yep. and then you go another hour up and you hit beaver and if you go up in the mountains just like you did for brian's head there's a ski up ski area up there about 25 miles called uh eagle point ski area and just backtracking a little bit when i did the marathon there about an hour out The sky opened, hail, freezing ass rain, and I was totally unprepared. (laughs) So when I came back, that just scorched my memory. So when I came back to do that race in, I think it was 2020 or, no, 2019. Ah, signed up for the 70K. It had 13,000 feet of vert and 42 miles. So it's substantial and tough, challenging terrain, as you saw, you know, one snapshot of that. And what I didn't account for is, it was all about gear for me. Mm. I ended up with Tailwind, Mirror Energy, which is super sweet, and bars that were even sweeter. Mm. And I hit mile 20, and even though I've done the Pike's Peak Ascent five times, you know, I'm familiar with elevation, but I never stayed up there yeah. for a long time until the Tushers race. So at about mile 20, I was totally sweeted out, and I stopped drinking. Because I was so focused on gear, instead of how to handle you know, elevation appropriately, and be mindful of do not dehydrate. Keep those electrolytes coming. By the time I hit the 50K point, and I had 10 hours to do 12 miles, but those 12 miles, part of it was a lollipop loop okay. that consisted of butt sliding, hanging on bushes. I mean, really technical <laughs> stuff. I was gonna have to do that in the middle of the night when I was loopy. Ooh. I went, you know, sometimes you just have to live to race another day. Yeah. But I immediately went back to, like being a software engineer, research is something I love to do. Researched everything, was looking for everything as to how to handle elevation. So I have a new fuel now. Which has a saltier, more pleasant taste. I know how to balance. I use Spring Energy, one of our sponsors. Which is, shout out to
0: Spring. Yeah,
1: hey, <laughs> Spring, love you guys. We carried it at the store, Girls' Bed <laughs> Running Center. It's great. And uh, and then I had bars that were more savory than than sweet. Mm. Then additionally, it turns out that ginkgo biloba, a nutrient that. Passes the blood brain barrier is good for elevation and grows at elevation. Cordyceps mushrooms, which were used by the Soviets and Chinese in the Olympics before the rest of the world caught on, is another thing. But the really awesome thing was, I was looking for oxygen supplementation. Yeah. And so I found an advertisement on a ski board in Colorado. Well, people are coming up from Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, 1,000 feet in elevation, up to these ski areas that began at 8,000 feet in Colorado. And I went, Well, cool. And so I tracked that down to the scientist who is, she's a female, she's a female scientist. Now she's 76 years old. And I chatted with her for about an hour and a half. And she had discovered an oxygenating nutrient that you take in capsule form with liquid, and then you follow it with some food. And it Crosses like the nutrition uh, and that's where a lot of oxygenation can take place. Mm. And so she figured out how to do that. So my next race after the Tushers, oh, I guess that was in 2020, was the Sanger de Cristo 50 miler. That race averages 10,000 feet for 50 miles Ooh. with a high point of 11,005 at Music Pass. So, okay, I'm going to test this out and <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> Eric Chrisman, who is putting on the Lake Hodges 50k and 50 miler elevation culture, mm, yes. you Yes. Yeah, yeah, Okay, he's head up a vet and then the re- race director John Lacroix uh, I hit my what they do you start at 9200 feet and go up to 115 come down do an out and back then you get back a mile 40 go up to 115 and back down oh, again brutal and so so I pulled into the last aid which is about at mile 40 uh-huh. and both Eric and John LaCroix are sitting around the campfire, and I joked with them for about half an hour because I knew I was way ahead of cutoff. I made the cutoff by over two hours, so I was really excited. I'm always looking for biohacks. Yeah. You know, because I know that, you know, I'm not gonna kill an ultra on my mileage, but by being as fit and vibrant. And well prepared as I can, I can have a hell of a good time out there.
0: Yeah, and if anybody's listening and doesn't know George, George is literally runs like he's a twenty-year-old. <laughs> so <laughs> um, very great shape. And I now I now I get it, you get a little bit of biohack in the in the training system here, which is great. So it's nice. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, it's like every single day. Even though I don't run that much, I compensate it by every single day. I wake up, I do 150 motions with weights except if i'm on the road or doing a race i bring stretchy bands yeah because weights are just too much of a hassle then i do the melt method because one of the reasons i'm a low mileage runner is i have something called morton's neuroma which is a nerve impinged between these foot bones okay and so it can cause like a numbing and a really sharp pain and as a matter of fact it took me out of the game between the ages of 63 and a half and 65 until I figured out how to manage it. And now I've learned how to manage it well so I can do these things. So, from the time I became a senior citizen when I was 65, I'm 74 now. I've raced over 200 races and since I turned 69, I've done 43 ultra Distances, And why I say that, 33 or 34 have been races and 8 have been fat asses with friends. Yeah.
0: You've tackled the 100 miles No, or 100K. I was,
1: yeah. I was training with Izzy. Yeah. And that's when I got dinged because always listen to your body yeah. and differentiate the difference between being badass and enduring. And when your body is screaming at you, something's wrong. It's like I could take my sock off and this foot and you could see how this ankle is... Yeah still bigger after a December 5th ding than this one here and I've worked really hard with Bosa ball. Then after one of my yoga exercises, I spin clockwise, counterclockwise on the Bosa ball. I started, oh fuck, I can barely (laughs) stand on this sucker. And then I went, wow, I wonder if I can do 360s. So I go clockwise, counterclockwise. Then I watch a couple of videos and I go, oh, squats. Wow, I can keep my legs strong while I can't run. Hmm. And so I did squats. Then. I got my ankle strong enough and I go, wow, I wonder if I can stand on one leg in the Bosa ball. I stand on my left leg for a count of five. Every once in a while, I'll, whoa. <laughs> and then I do it on the right leg 15 times you know, every single day. And so now it's really locking in, it's strong. This might be a little TMI, but you know, I put on my (laughs) underwear standing up and I put on my socks standing up. So I take advantage of all of these little things because as you move through time, balance is essential. The Bosa ball is key for that. And then as a part of one of the exercises, yogic exercises I do, you spin really fast clockwise with your arms out like this. Mm-hmm. And so I could do that really fast and stand and not lose my balance. Wow. So when I'm trucking around in the middle of night, Tired as shit, kicking rocks and tree roots and stuff like that. I've still got the wherewithal yeah. to be able to know where I am in space and time.
0: That's that's super interesting. I I've actually never heard anybody talk about stuff like that as far as keeping your equilibrium where it should be when you're kind of hallucinating or uh-huh. going over these big rocks uh-huh. and stuff like that, and, and having your ankles strong enough to you know manage some of that stuff. So that's a very interesting take on on uh, some of that nighttime running and and being exhausted and stuff i guess my question was going to be would you ever consider or would you ever be like have any interest in doing trying those 200 races does that interest you at all doing something that that
1: you mean 200 mile yeah like the tahoe
0: 200 or bigfoot 200 is that anything that would uh, you know interest you at all in a perfect world
1: i would say yes but I'm still learning what I can do mm-hmm. with my foot condition, kind of thing. But I have entertained the idea of, wow, I wonder if I can do a hundred miler when I'm 80. Oh, see, that'd be cool. You know, so that's that's only five and a half years off. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I do think about I do think about things like that, and uh, also about limitations. Being mindful, you know, you don't want to like on my current training. Okay, I'm going to go out and do a a 200 miler well that's stretching it a bit but being open to the fact that we could that's one of the things that I love about ultras you know I never imagine myself 67 doing an ultra but you see other people and friends and that's another thing I love about the running community it's supportive encouraging and you see other people doing it and you that's how we as humans get inspired and actually consider that we could do something like that when we see other people doing that yeah. especially our friends so that's an important aspect it's like i feel i have the opportunity to model a different way of going through time that your knees don't have to give out mm-hmm. your ankles even though i was born with trip knees it's like I would I remember running when I was an adolescent and I just hit the ground and I used to turn my ankle all the time. Well, guess what we'll fix that. That's mile thirty five at Bryce Canyon. Oh, there you go. I've seen that picture before. Yeah. And so, but the point being, standing on one foot engages all of the musculature, yeah. all of the tendons and ligaments in your ankle and strengthens them if you do that on a regular basis. It's like when people come to the running store, they go, Oh, I'm always turning my ankle. And I'll go, Okay, stand up and do this because they need to experientially feel, mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I get how that could be a possibility. And then when people hit knees, like when I first started doing ultras, you know, I mean, I'm doing stuff with 10,000 feet of up, 10,000 feet of down, you know, that's kind of tough on your knees when you're going downhill. And I noticed that my knees stopped hurting most of the time. You know, every once in a while I get a little yeah. ding. <laughs> and I was going, wow, in that tusha race i started doing a series of yogic exercises called the five tibetans and the third exercise was strengthening my knees and quads and it occurred to me like when i was 70 i ran the big bear half marathon and i was saying downhill is my superpower yeah well i I don't train for anything specifically. I train for overall health, and then I just go out and do it. I had a 1.3328 in that half marathon. Wow. And uh, this is another horn tutor. That's the fastest half marathon time in any of the Revel races anywhere by four minutes. Wow. And this was how long ago? When I was 70. Okay, so so that ago. was November of 2018. Eighteen, yeah, and, and just the point is, that's a downhill race, and downhill races are a lot harder than people think. They go, oh, it's oh, downhill, yeah. that's easy. Oh no, that's a, and it's an, it's a joint killer. <laughs> so, so after that, that's what got me to thinking. It was an exercise that I had been doing every single day, twice a day, for three. Three years by that time.
0: I want to circle back around real sure. quick um, and finish our conversation talking about community. And, yes, and that's the best part. I know a lot of people listening in that are from San Diego will know exactly what we're talking about. But and I, I talk about this on the podcast all the time. Is the Torrance community is probably one of the best sports communities. But I totally agree. And I feel that San Diego has such a solid community. I love wanna, it. I want I would love to hear your take on and explain anybody who's listening and who's not from San Diego the kinda, to kind of make them understand like what this community is all about. The trail running community here,
1: it's like everybody you pass, if you're going on and out and back, hey, way to go, good job, you know? And I can't tell you how many times I've jumped off the trail with a friend, taken a selfie, just as a memorable moment. And when I look back on the pictures, which, you know, I've collected some swag along the way. Mm -hmm. But the pictures, I could show you literally thousands of pictures of people exploding with joy. You know, doing butt shots with Izzy and we're laughing our ass off. (laughs) We had a thing going with that for a while. And just... So many hugs, so many good times. You pour into an aid station, you know. What can I do for you? You know, can I do this? Can I do that?
0: <laughs> and cheering you on. Oh my God. You know, it's it, it's like a it's like a huge family. Oh, it, it, it is. is. It really is what it, it comes down to. And it's there's always people wanting to cheer you on. And I, I've I've run into it a lot with our races where uh, you know I typically will ask, Hey, uh, are there any new trail runners? Mm-hmm. You know, at this event. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we usually get four or five, four or five yeah. six people yeah. raise your hand and and you kind of hear of a round of applause for them to get out there but they're also you you notice that some of the regular trail runners at the end of the race if i'm if i happen to catch some of those newbies uh-huh at the finish line or at the fe- finish line festival talking like you've got all your regular trail runners you see out there yep. in the community are are going over and talking to them and congratulating them and, and saying hey you know great job out there what'd you think we hopefully you come back because trail running is great like, I've I've heard so many conversations and seen so many of those interactions that it's amazing to me that everybody is just so inviting. And I'm sure I'm not taking away from any trail running community because I think every trail running community is similar, similar to, yes. to what we have here. I just know that if i go down to the south bay in san diego yep i'm going to get the same oh, inter- totally. like the same hugs and high fives yep. and san diego trail runners exactly. down there and the ycma and runners and for such a huge metropolitan community i almost feel like the trail running community is such a small town in in that in our big metro area that it's just like you you can go anywhere and you can have a friend you can have a friend on any part of the trail in any part of the county here in san diego and that's what makes i think this community so great is everybody knows one another regardless of if you live down in the south bay from carlsbad which is about a 45 minute drive Mm 50 minute drive Mm -hmm. um, all the way out to escondido or poway Yeah, exactly. All I mean, over the place. People know one another around here, and it, it's great to see that. And I don't, I don't, I you know, I have a chance to work in Colorado. which has a, another amazing uh, community there. But yeah, I, it's, I ran
1: with the Pikes Peak Road Runners for like twenty years yeah. out of the Springs. That's the largest running group in Colorado.
0: Yeah, but but I mean, here it is. But here, is. But here it, and in Colorado, and and I'll, I hopefully I don't get any flack for saying this at all. But in Colorado, I feel like if you're in South Denver, you really don't know. The people that are up in Boulder, as much. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but it's uh-huh. not really connected. And there's about the same amount of time frame or same amount of miles in between. Right, there right. I see what you're interior, saying. Right? Whereas here, everybody knows one another, and it just, it's it's a ama- it's an amazing feeling to go to an event or to a run group and have have people that you haven't seen in you know two months, and you just start talking to them just like you you know you I... <laughs> like you haven't you haven't seen them. You know, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, and. I really love
1: it because I race all over the Southwest and Arizona and Colorado and Nevada and Utah and California. And so I see people from here there and it's so cool or from, I know a lot of trail runners in the LA area. Mm. It's just amazing. One of the things I like to say is the rest of the world could take a huge lesson from the way that trail runners treat each other
0: oh my god amen you know
1: (laughs) and it's like i don't care what your political spiritual anything we're together you know we're aligned we're on the same team and so there's that natural bridge building rather than looking for differences or division and i'm a very inclusive person by choice your first time runner hey that's cool we get every type of runner you can imagine in there, whether it's their first 5k or whatever, Mm -hmm. the way that we become better human beings is to encourage and support each other. And the trail running community is an exemplary. It's like, I might get some flack from this. It's like I've been involved with various spiritual organizations, but I love the spiritual component of trail runners. You're out there sweating, grueling, going through all of this stuff, supporting, being nice when it's really freaking tough, when Mm -hmm. you're dying and thanking those people at the aid station. And so it's easy to be nice when everything is going nice. But when you're out there (laughs) under grueling conditions, (laughs) that, is really where the where the rubber meets the road as what kind of a person are you yeah you know and I never miss thanking the people at the aid stations and uh, greeting other runners you know my goal is to be an ambassador of that
0: same spirit throughout all of life yeah well I, george i <laughs> i'm going to end it right there because yeah. i think that is probably the best point to take home right it's just it is the community is <laughs> a lot of people can a lot of other communities in this country can learn a lot from oh my sport. so i want to leave it there because that's a great pay, place to to leave it and i want to thank you for for uh, joining me today and coming into the into the office and, oh, and sitting down in the studio and, and uh, having this conversation because it's always fun to talk to, to individuals like yourself and learn about trail running and what what keeps people going into the sport and what, you know, how, love. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> all, all the love you get.
0: The Trail Life Podcast presented by Solomon is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Stoner. Theme song, provided by the Poor Dirty Astronauts with lyrics written by Matt Meyer. You can rate, review, and subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other place you stream your favorite podcasts. Thank you again, everybody, and we'll see you on the trails real soon.